Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Pirelli tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in. Friday edition, Outkick the Coverage radio program. Well, 16 games in the books in the NCAA tournament. 16 more to come later on today and this evening. We will talk about all of them, but this thing's got to start with one guy. It's got to start with Ja Morant. The first triple-double in the NCAA tournament since Draymond Green did it at Michigan State. He's done all right for himself in the NBA. And this was, if you did not already know who Ja Morant was. If he's able to carry Murray State into the Sweet 16, which I have them in the Sweet 16, I think he's going to carry them into the Sweet 16. He is absolutely scintillating to watch. And here's what I tweeted out last night about him as we bring in Clay Travis, who is out in Las Vegas doing Lock It In. You guys seem to be having way too much fun doing that show. I'm in Nashville. I used to be his executive producer. I'm Jason Martin, the host of the Jason Martin Show now here on Fox Sports Radio. He's at Clay Travis on Twitter. I'm at Zone. What I tweeted out about John Morant, Clay, is that John Morant is a humble Russell Westbrook. And just imagine what that could look like in the NBA. I absolutely am smitten watching this kid play basketball and listening to him talk about his game. Well, I think that's a perfect description of him. Um, and uh, for people who haven't watched him play yet, and that's a lot of people because, uh, you know, Murray State is under the radar. I think that uh, when you look at his numbers last night, first of all, uh, 17, 11, and 16, right? And as you mentioned, the first bit, uh, triple-double in an NCAA tournament game in seven years, going all the way back to what Draymond Green did at Michigan State. He is a uh, 
otherworldly talent. I mean, it, he really is. And I've got a couple of other stats to kind of put into context for people out there who might not have watched him play. Uh, he scored, uh, he created 55 points uh, on, in the game, you know, with his points, with his, uh, with his assist. That's the most by any player in the last 10 tournaments. Uh, he's the first player with 15 points and 15 assists in a tournament game since Earl Watson in 2000. Mm. And he led Murray State to the largest margin of victory by a 12 seed since 1999, uh, which are uh, pretty extraordinary stats right there. To kind of put into context, um, I thought this was interesting too. He's the eighth player to record a triple double in the tournament since assists became an official stat in 1983 and 84. Uh, Draymond Green did it twice. I, I thought the list of who these players were was kind of interesting because 83, 84 is going back a long time yeah, now. Yeah. Cole Aldrich, uh, wow. Wade, who did it in an Elite Eight game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Marquette went to the Final Four that year. Yeah, they went to they the Final Four Kentucky. that year. I think they beat Kentucky in a yes. regional final, and Dwayne Wade had a triple-double in that game, which is pretty extraordinary. Andre Miller, who is really one of the great all-time underrated basketball players in general, what he did back in the day, if I'm not mistaken, at Utah uh, is, uh, was pretty extraordinary. Shaquille O'Neal, mm. which I think probably surprises people. I'm guessing he probably did it, you think, with blocks? I find it hard uh, to believe yeah. he had assists, yeah. uh, but it wouldn't shock me. Obviously, the points and the rebounds would have been relatively easy for him to get, but I'm guessing that might have been with blocks. Gary Grant and then uh, David Kane. I don't remember David Kane at all, uh, but uh, that goes all the way back to 1983-84, just proving how rare this accomplishment actually is. And I went on in the wake of this performance, Murray State just waxing Marquette, I went on and asked what I thought was an interesting question, and uh, the responses to, the, to this uh, poll question were better than, uh, than maybe the votes would have suggested. I said, if you were picking number one overall, and obviously this can depend on, for instance, who, who has the number one overall pick, uh, and, uh, but it, would you rather have Morant or would you rather take Zion? And I, I'm not surprised that Zion won this uh, relatively easily, but I think it's because Zion's kind of a, uh, a legendary beast at this point, almost, right? Like, he's a mythical figure in the same way that a unicorn is. It's like, I can't believe this guy is real uh, with, with what he's been able to accomplish at Duke. But when I look at the NBA, I think it's easier to pigeonhole Morant in and say, like you did, he's Russell Westbrook 2.0. He's a guy that you can look at and say, he reminds me very much of Russell Westbrook, that dunk he had at the end of the game, the way he can uh, just take over a game. It's easier for me to project right now John Morant than it is for me to project Zion Williamson just because I think Zion's almost unheard of, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a, he's a player that I don't know we've ever seen before. Doesn't mean I don't think he's going to be great in the NBA. I am utterly fascinated to see how he's going to do. It's just I don't know who do you say he is, right? I mean, he's not necessarily a great ball handler. He's pretty good ball handler. For a size, he's, he's good. The, he's the size of Carl Malone and what LeBron James has grown into already. So it's kind of hard to even project where he might end up. Yeah, I mean, any comparisons for Zion Williamson have kind of fallen by the wayside. Guys are trying to compare him to Rodney Rogers. Look, I grew up on Tobacco Road. I grew up five miles from Wake Forest University, I saw Rodney Rogers play his whole career. Rodney Rogers had a really great college career and a solid NBA career. He ain't Zion Williamson. 
Charles Barkley has been another comparison. The athletic Charles Barkley coming out of Auburn, the one that played in Philadelphia when he was ripped and shredded and was just going up the floor just tearing people's heads off. That might be the closest that you can find. What I continue to think is this. John Morant's going to be a better pro than Zion Williamson because the game in 2019 is made for guys like John Morant. It's made for guys that can shoot it, that can distribute it. And when, when I make that comment about him being a humble Russell Westbrook, he's a humble Russell Westbrook with far better vision as a passer than Russell Westbrook and far more unselfishness in the way he likes to get his guys involved. But he's going to get his. It's his explosiveness, his speed, his athleticism, his how in the world do you keep this guy in front of you that reminds you so much of Russell Westbrook, but when you think about Zion Williamson, I always look at him and I say, man, imagine if he had played 20 years ago, because then you didn't need to be able to shoot threes at his size. Right. You didn't need the 20-foot jumper, the 18-foot jumper. The holes in his game are holes that make a lot of guys that are coming out of college look like dinosaurs that don't necessarily translate to the NBA. I don't think that's going to be Zion, but a lot of his highlights are dunks. John Morant is going to change somebody's life, I think, when it comes to a franchise because he's going to have the ball in his hands all the time. And you wouldn't want it. He's going to walk into the league and be one of the best ball handlers immediately. I mean, he is stunning to watch. Yeah, look, I mean, I I think you're making a lot of really good points. And I I think the other thing about Zion is the NBA initially became a stretch four league, right? And now it's almost like you need a stretch five, right? As yeah. if you need to have somebody who can score from anywhere on the court. And the analogy I've made when you look at these two guys' different games is that basketball has become a lot more like soccer. And that's because the Euro sport has kind of taken over. And what I mean by that is if you're familiar with soccer at all or if you play soccer, you need to be able to play multiple positions in soccer because you want the fluidity of your offense to move to defense. You want everybody to be able to play multiple positions. It makes it a lot harder to switch. It makes it a lot harder to play defense if you have, quote-unquote, typical big men, right? And so when I watch Zion, it's hard to project because he's so young, and obviously he's such a freakish, unbelievable talent. But Morant, to me, is easier to project and say, okay, I can see exactly what he's going to be at the next level. Um, and, uh, and also, you don't have to necessarily worry in the same way about, uh, about whether Zion's body is going to be able to hold up, right? I mean, for his overwhelming physical gifts. Uh, so I, I think it's an interesting question. 71% of our poll voters, and there was like 24,000 that voted on my Twitter feed, uh, said that they would go with Zion Williamson. But if you had had, uh, let's say, that instead of playing for Murray State in the state of Kentucky, and yes. a lot of people don't even know where Murray State is, but it's in the state of Kentucky, if Morant were playing right now for Kentucky, I mean, I think that would be a lot tougher decision because Morant would have a lot more of the hype and people would have watched way more of his games. Yeah, and you know, this is really interesting as well, Clay. John Morant, I have not seen somebody, he undressed Marquette. I mean, with 11 minutes left in the second half, the Marquette cheerleaders were chanting, uh, thank you, seniors, seniors. because they knew this thing was a wrap, because it totally was. I mean, he absolutely embarrassed them. The last thing I saw where somebody got embarrassed in a game like this, I think it might have been Lonzo Ball when De'Aaron Fox did it to him a couple of years ago for Kentucky. That was a real similar moment where 
Fox showed up to the people that didn't know who he was already and said, I'm about to be a force. And he's in the midst of a nice little career. John Morant's on another level. Think about the idea of this draft bringing us Zion Williamson and John Morant. Like, that, well, you know what that's I love? awesome. What I love about this, and obviously Zion gets his chance to make his statement today when Duke comes out and tries to win by 40 points or 50 points or whatever they do. Right. But what I love about this story is that they were AAU teammates. And this is, to me, incredible because Zion entered Duke already famous because of his Instagram account. And you would think that given how famous Zion was, it would be almost impossible for a guy like uh, Morant to even exist, right? To come out of South Carolina, to suddenly end up in Murray State, to not be that highly recruited. It's one thing to develop into an incredible player, uh, because you know you grow six inches like back in the day. We all heard yeah. about uh, David Robinson doing, for instance, right? Like you go to Navy at six six, and suddenly you turn into a seven footer, and you're like, oh wow. We never foresaw that this guy was going to be capable of the, the kind of talent that he has. To me, uh, Morant is like, uh, he, he, he is the rarest of rare in that he's a small guy, right? I mean, 6'3", or whatever he is, and, uh, and he has turned into, I think, unquestionably now, I think Zion probably will go one, and I think Morant will go two. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I think that the, if there's a big loser, and there's really not, because if you're going top five, you're still doing fine. R.J. Barrett's the loser here. I mean, R.J. Barrett came into Duke and people said he's going to be the best player on that team. And R.J. Barrett has done very, very well. But when Zion was out of the lineup, Duke was nine points worse on the scoreboard on average. And now you look at Ja Morant. I can't imagine a general manager watching Ja Morant and saying, we need to take R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett's a guy that's more akin to Carmelo Anthony in that he likes to shoot all the time. Not that he's built like Carmelo or he's the same player, but he's more of a black hole who wants to take 30 shots a game. John Morant makes everybody around him better. I have no idea whether there's a whole lot of talent on that Murray State team, but it looks like there is because John Morant is putting the basketball exactly where every single one of them wants it every single time down the floor. His vision and the way he passes is just as impressive as his athleticism and his step back. He had a couple of step back jumpers in this game that James Harden would have blushed watching. Like this was this was a virtuoso performance, if ever there was one. A twelve seed that looked more like a number one because of one guy on the floor. Yeah, and it's fun to watch, right? Yeah, I mean, it is. it's fun to see somebody who is just so transcendently talented and to have everything kind of come together to come together in this game, like we were saying, to end up with the first triple double since two thousand twelve since uh since Draymond Green did it. And uh, and to have everything just uh, just I mean it's one thing to win for Murray State which is great right they're a 12 seed uh, Belmont couldn't quite get the win against uh, against Maryland. Uh, Maryland but they almost did uh, if they don't dribble it off their knee or whatever happened there on that try to backdoor pass that they tried to run yeah. at the end um, but man I, I just think that uh, that college basketball in the NCAA tournament if these guys continue to win especially for Murray State I mean. Murray State could have a Steph Curry-like run when he yep. was at Davidson, right? Yep. I think if you looked at this bracket and you thought John Morant is as good as you hope he can be, that he could maybe put a team on his back and carry them, sort of like Steph Curry did. And, uh, and the difference, I think, is that, uh, is that Morant is going to be uh, unquestionably – and look, 
who knows who the number one pick is going to go to? Let's say that the Phoenix Suns get the number one overall pick. Do they want uh, to take Zion? Maybe they try to trade out. Maybe they look at Moran. I mean, I think there's a possibility, and it may sound crazy, but I think there's a possibility, depending on who gets the overall number one pick, that maybe Zion isn't going to go number one, that every single team wouldn't take him number one uh, if they already feel like they're decent in the front court and they look at Moran and say, you know what, I'd love to have the next Russell Westbrook, especially if, as you said, He's a humble version of Russell Westbrook, somebody who gets along with his teammates, somebody who plays with his fervor on the court, uh, but is also a, it uh, seems to be, we never know for sure, but seems to be a very likable guy. I would really have to think long and hard between those two guys. I would hate to pass up on Zion because I know what Zion could be, but I'm looking at John Morant, and I, I think he has about as low a bust potential as I've ever seen. Like well, I think the question him. is, oh my goodness. I don't even know that we know what Zion's going to be. Right. You know, it's, it's always questionable. When we are projecting anybody, I think you can think of a guy and say, okay, here's his ceiling, here is his floor. And, and I think you can say that Morant could be a better version of Russell Westbrook, and his floor is what? Derek Rose before <laughs> he got – I mean, it's still it's not a very low floor. Maybe an Iverson? Yeah, I mean it's 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 just it's insane. And you make a really good point about the Suns because you don't need Zion necessarily when you've got DeAndre Ayton. And yeah. Ayton's really turned it up down the stretch in this season. Maybe you would trade it out to somebody who wants Zion and try to collect some assets, or maybe you go take John Morant, put him in the backcourt and let that be the face of your franchise alongside with Ayton and see what you could do there. I, I, I think I think that what we're seeing and we'll see because Murray State plays Florida State next. I had Murray winning that game before. I definitely have them winning now. I pray that it happens because I want to keep watching John Morant in this NCAA tournament the same way we all want to keep watching Zion Williamson in this NCAA tournament. But if he keeps on doing this, this question and your poll, if you were to ask it after every single game, those numbers are going to start to get closer to one another. Yeah, it's going to be harder. the question I would have for you and for everybody out there listening to us right now. Give me a ceiling on Zion and give me a floor, right? So you think about the current NBA, and I think this is what's so challenging about Zion is he is almost without precedent. I'm not sure that we've ever seen a guy this big, this strong, and this fast. Now, you mentioned Charles Barkley earlier. That's great. Barkley is a phenomenal top 50 all-time talent in the NBA. Zion is bigger, stronger, and faster. And he plays defense. And Charles Barkley never committed to defense. So, and, and, he, and he appears, appears again, we're seeing Zion at only 19. Barkley had to work on his body a lot yeah. and turn himself into a great basketball player, right? So, Zion, like, best case scenario, it's even hard for me to, it's almost like a much more athletic version of Carl Malone. Is that a ridiculous comparison? You know, when you think about old school Carl Malone, I mean, and it's maybe the body the physicality of what Carl Malone was able to do. Now, I think Zion, maybe potentially down the road, is, is, is better than Carl Malone, much more athletic maybe. But Malone was a freakish athlete. But there just isn't you know, a guy that big, that strong and fast. He's not LeBron because he can't handle the ball anywhere near like LeBron can. What about if and, Dwight Howard had, had 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 what you really wanted Dwight Howard to have? Like Dwight Howard had the body... He's a little bit bigger in terms of just pure tall. Uh, Zion's a little thicker. Zion's a much better passer. Zion has better post moves. If Dwight Howard had ever been able to develop the post game, 
maybe that's more at least something that you could say because neither one of them shoots free throws well. Neither one of them has really a mid-range jump shot that frightens you. That's the thing. If Zion can develop a shot from 15 to 17 consistently and can get into the 70s as a free throw shooter, I mean, we're talking one of the great players we've ever seen. If he doesn't, this NBA, it doesn't necessarily match up to his skill set the way that it used to because the big guys have become much more antiquated compared to this guard-centric game where you see the Golden State Warriors. I mean, Durant's a unicorn, but Durant at his height, the reason Durant is so good, one of the reasons, is because at his height, he shoots threes that are unblockable because of his wingspan. Nobody can get high enough to block his shot. That's the problem for Zion is Zion does most of his damage in the paint, and that limits him to some extent in a way that a guy like a Morant or guys like him already in the NBA are tearing it up because there's no way to guard them. You have to watch them everywhere they are on the floor at all times. Yeah, look, I think your analogy of saying 20 years, we kind of made fun of this, and I don't know if you were on when we made fun of this, but Shaquille O'Neal said, if I were playing today, I'd be Giannis, right? (laughs) Which is really ridiculous and really funny for anybody who watched Shaquille O'Neal play back in the day. But when he said that, I think he means it, and I think his, his argument is, that his game would have been evolved much differently, and he wouldn't have had, and that's kind of what I was saying when I was talking about the Euro style of basketball that's yeah. taken over. Uh, in America, we used to teach basketball like it was football. Like, right, oh, you're a center. That means you stay in the paint. That means you do this, and we're going to run the offense this way. And now, with the stretch four, and, and again, I would argue we almost have a, a five-out style that is, you know, a very beautiful version of basketball where you have guys moving constantly and they can score from anywhere. And ideally, your guy can also defend anyone on the pick and roll instead of trying to get a mismatch, which is obviously huge and basically what happens on almost every possession. Certainly in the NBA playoffs is you try and switch and you want to be able to switch so that your guy can defend anybody on the court. And it's why somebody like Draymond Green is such a great Swiss Army knife um, when it comes to, uh, to what he brings to bear on the, uh, on the basketball court. Uh, but, you know, you look at, uh, at Zion and you think, man, I, I, I really don't know what he's going to project to, whereas, again, I come back to with Morant. I think you know exactly what he's going to project to, and it's going to be really badass and hard to stop and really, really good in this league for the next 10 years. What's the key to success in the NBA for all of the guys that are really making all the money and winning all the games right now? It's being able to get your own shot. John Morant can get his own shot, and he can also create to give other people the opportunity to catch the ball where they want it and to just bang from there. Zion Williamson, I don't know if he can get his own shot because he has to be in the right spot right now. Again, the whole thing, he's so young and he's so raw. If he develops the way every general manager in the league would salivate to watch him develop, I mean, we could be looking, again, at something truly legendary. If he doesn't, then we could be looking at a guy that is good, maybe even very good, but I just feel like, I think what you're basically saying is right. The floor for John Morant is far higher than the floor for Zion Williamson. Far higher. Just because you can look at him and say, all right, I know he can pass. I know he can shoot. He's got absurd handles. His athleticism's off the charts. He's good from the free throw line. Seems to be a really good teammate. Seems to be made of the right stuff from a character perspective. I'm looking, I'm trying to find the negatives for John Morant 
and I just don't see any of them. Not one. one I don't see a flaw in his game at all. One of the negatives might be that we just don't know that much about him personally. True. And that, that's, the one, that's the one wild card that is true for anybody out there. How will you respond when you suddenly get millions of dollars? Are you going to grow and continue to evolve and work hard and, uh, and come into an even better version of yourself? Or when you suddenly have that success and that sudden fame, like you can at least say for Zion, this guy's been in the public eye for a while. He knows what it's like to be in the center of a kind of a media hurricane because of going to Duke, because of his social media accounts, because of everything that surrounds him. I don't think we know hardly anything about Morant because he's just come out of nowhere, right? He's a, a meteor streaking across the, the, the basketball court. And so it remains to be seen exactly how he'll respond when that spotlight kind of gets pressed upon him and stays there and how he'll respond also to millions of dollars. We don't know how Zion or anybody else will either, but there are a lot of guys out there that I think feel satisfied when they get drafted and they make a, a lot of money overnight, and, uh, and the people you want are the ones that are going to work just as hard before they got the money as they will after they get the money. Yeah, I think that's fair, and we don't know anybody, and, and we have to see what fame would actually do to a Ja Morant, but certainly what he did yesterday, whew, That was as good as it gets. We'll see Zion a little bit later on today. Back in a moment here on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, O-O-O-O-Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet 365 
21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of hand-cooked tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installed near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerack.com sports to see their hand-cooked test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Welcome back to the Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer priced, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people pay for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Clay Travis in Las Vegas doing Lock It In, having way too much fun. I'm Jason Martin. I am in Nashville, Tennessee, where Clay usually is. He's at Clay Travis. I'm at J Martin Zone if you want to follow us on Twitter. So we talked a whole lot of John Morant and some Zion Williamson. Really, I could just keep on doing it. I'm so excited watching just how much fun that was to watch that game. But there were other games. And honestly, first off, how was your bracket, Clay? I was 13-3 and yesterday. I didn't do too bad. I missed out. Belmont let me down in the end. Maryland won their game. I had Louisville over Minnesota. Got that one wrong. And I didn't realize Frank Howard was going to be out for Syracuse. And so Baylor took them down, which I think makes Gonzaga's next game a little bit easier as well. You know, it's funny. I did a bracket, and I don't have it in front of me right now. We did it for uh, for Lock It In, and I appreciate everybody who came out and uh, and continues to hang out at the MGM Grand Sportsbook. If, perchance, you're listening to us right now and you're thinking, hey, I'm going to be out in uh, in Vegas for Friday, uh, again, pretty cool, 1.30, you can come watch, you can hang out in the sports book, 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern. Uh, the feedback's been fantastic. It's been a lot of fun to do a, a live show. But I don't even know, it, to answer your question, like I, I don't have my bracket in front of me. I've been paying attention to gambling, and there were uh, five games that I was on pretty big uh, yesterday. Uh, on Thursday, and I went four and one in well, those games. Not bad. So, uh, so I feel pretty good about uh, about those uh, that start. And the only win I've lost was Auburn, and that was nearly a disaster for Auburn oh. fans because they were up seven with the ball with a minute to play. They get a charging foul, uh, and they end up giving up a wide open three pointer that could have dropped and uh, and sent the the Tigers out of the tournament. Instead, uh, they held on. LSU held on. Florida held on, and uh, obviously Kentucky won big. The SEC went 4-0 and on the opening Thursday, and the Big Ten went 3-0. and So the SEC and the Big Ten combined 7-0. Uh, and I, I bet that hasn't happened, if it's ever happened before, in a very long time. And uh, you feel pretty good, in theory, about Tennessee getting past Colgate. We'll see what happens with Ole Miss uh, going up against, uh, I believe it is Oklahoma, and yes. then you've got a game uh, in the SEC with uh, with Mississippi, Mississippi State, State going Liberty. up against the Liberty. Yep. Decent chance. 
decent chance the SEC is going to go six and one or uh, or seven and zero. Oh. And uh, the Big Ten's got to be ecstatic. They got the most teams in the tournament, and they've still got uh, four more teams that are set to play uh, on this uh, Friday. So we'll see uh, what ends up happening. But you know, I think you feel pretty good if you are uh, if you're sitting around and uh, and you're watching the Big Ten uh, kind of coming down the stretch here. Uh, to see how uh, how they will finish off on uh, Friday. Well, four and one—that's not bad. Maybe maybe uh, the uh, crew can get a bonus if you continue <laughs> to succeed that well, right there out there. But uh, this is probably the biggest storyline right now, outside of what we saw John Morant do and everybody keeping their eyes peeled to see what Duke does today and how Zion looks. It's got to be Kentucky, right? I mean, you didn't need him against Abilene Christian, but PJ Washington rolling into that building. If P.J. Washington ain't right, Kentucky's not going very far. They do have some talent, but P.J. Washington is an indispensable figure to this Kentucky program. I have them in the Final Four. I don't know if they get through this weekend, especially against Wofford. I don't know that they get through this weekend, Clay, if they don't have P.J. Washington. Well, I mean, I think it's the most significant issue facing any team that is uh, in hopes of winning a championship right now, right, that played on Thursday. I think there are a lot of teams that won and their fan bases are ecstatic to win an NCAA tournament game because it's a big deal. But how many teams that you watched on Thursday did you watch and think, okay, this team could win a championship? You know, at Michigan State, they weren't great against Bradley, but I think we've seen Tom Izzo teams long enough to know that Michigan State's probably going to get things okay, right? They're going to fix things. I thought Kansas was one of the most surprising teams, if not mm-hmm. the most surprising team in the way that they played and the way that they dominated. Um, but really, I thought there were basically two teams, right? Kentucky came out and destroyed Abilene Christian, and Gonzaga just destroyed Fairley Dickinson. Michigan played pretty well against Montana. I would say that, that of the teams that I just ran through who you think, hey, they could make a run to the Final Four, Kentucky's got the most questions, and it's all surrounding P.J. Washington. And look, I don't, I'm, I don't claim to be a doctor or have any knowledge at all of medical-related conditions. But when you come into a game with your foot uh, on one of those rolling, uh, yeah. one of those rolling devices, you're not very close to being healthy to play, right? I mean, and he came in with his uh, with his leg uh, in it looked like a hard cast. Now maybe it's not officially a hard cast, but when you're walking around with your leg up on one of those rolling devices, you're in a pretty tough spot, I think, in terms of uh, of being able to play. I think there's no way he's going to play on Saturday against Wofford, this P.J. Washington, and I don't think there's any chance at all, any chance at all, uh, that, uh, that he's going to play on Saturday, and that might be a major issue because if Wofford comes out and is gunning in from outside, they can give Kentucky a run, and I think they'll certainly need him back potentially for Houston and, uh, and UNC if they were to continue to advance or whoever's going to be there. Uh, in the Sweet 16 and beyond. Yeah, it's P.J. Washington and how he has played over the back half of this season that's really helped this team gel. It's created space on the floor that they didn't have, and then you get Reed Travis back, and they're a much different team there. But they've got to have him. And I don't know. I know what Calipari is saying, but I know what Calipari is going to say. I think you're probably right. I think it's doubtful that he plays uh, against Wofford, I mean, he looks like he is trying to laze around a grocery store right now and have people pick things for him off the top shelf because he's basically in a cart. Hopefully, it's not that bad. You don't want to see somebody that talented not part of the NCAA tournament. But, but Kentucky fans, 
have got to be just waiting with bated breath to make sure that that everything's going to be okay with this guy because it did not look nearly as good or as this isn't a big deal as Coach Cal made it out to be when they showed those scenes of him walking in that building. We've still barely even scratched the surface on the games that already took place, and we haven't even gotten to the games that are to come today. We'll talk about all of it coming up. Outkick the coverage, Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Geico Outkick Studios, Friday edition, rolling along. Thursday games in the books in the NCAA tournament. 16 more coming today. Ja Morant, absolutely scintillating. We bring in Clay Travis again. He's out in Las Vegas. I'm Jason Martin here in Nashville. We got multiple plates spinning, multiple Geico Outkick Studios. I did not know the MGM Grand was also a Geico Outkick Studio. Apparently, it is. <laughs> that's that's also a thing. But but you but Clay, uh, because you worked here in Nashville, you worked in the same station that I currently uh, do a daily show out of here in Nashville. The morning show host uh, was on TV yesterday because he's also the voice of the Belmont Bruins. And not the best day for him, although I think he was I think he took a charge. I'm pretty sure he was in that spot before the LSU player straight up trucked him and sent his orange vanilla coke flying into the air to destroy his shirt. It was really very funny. Um, I didn't realize it was Kevin Ingram is the voice yes. of the Belmont Bruins, and I didn't realize it was him. Like I saw it, and what was amazing about it was, in super slow mo, the way that his beverage spilled was was really amazing. You know, it, it, it was pretty extraordinary to see that, and uh, and I didn't even realize it was him until I hopped on Twitter and uh, and saw everybody start re- you know reacting to it. I was watching uh, like many people were as that as that took place, and uh, it was uh, it was really pretty funny. Um, it was. And, I thought it was a totally excessive and unnecessary dive from the LSU players, too. You know, it was like he didn't really need to commit himself to that degree to go into the crowd, um, and uh, and it was uh, it was outstanding to see in slow-mo. I'm glad nobody was hurt. Uh, but in retrospect, anytime somebody falls and you got slow-mo on it, it's, uh, it's pretty extraordinary to see. Yeah, I joked uh, on Twitter with a couple of media folks that uh, I'm sure – Dan Wolken sent a check to LSU for that because, of course, he is Mister Number One Belmont disrespecter because he hates the sten- the hate uh, hates the state of Tennessee for whatever reason. But it was good, and Kevin was a good sport about it. And you're right; it was like an artistic slow mo. It was ridiculous the way that the drink triple spilled. Basically, I don't even know how it happened, but it was absolutely phenomenal to watch. And Kevin took it like a champ, so good for him. Friday games, what you got, Clay? What uh, what games are you playing? Since you don't have the bracket necessarily in front of you, what are the games that you are playing? You were 4-1 and one yesterday, so congratulations there. So what are you looking at today that, that really stands out to you? Well, to me, the two coaches with the most on the line today um, are certainly when you look at what Rick Barnes has done. I'm betting on Tennessee against Colgate. Tennessee's a 17.5-point favorite. Uh, I think that uh, that Tennessee is going to handle Colgate pretty easily. That's a relatively early game. Uh, And I'm also betting on Virginia. And uh, you think about what's going to happen with Virginia. Coming off last year, losing to a 16 seed, I think Virginia is going to come out and just disembowel (laughs) Gardner-Webb. I I don't think this game is going to be close at all. 
So I love the Cavaliers here uh, in this game. Um, also, uh, I'm, I'm really kind of intrigued to see what happens in, uh, in, in several other games. But in particular, I think that Liberty-Mississippi State game, yes. and I understand that a lot of people uh, are, are not really going to be that enamored of, of either of those teams. But I think it's going to be a really fascinating matchup, another one of those 5-12 uh, you know, potential upsets to, uh, to be following along. And uh, I also like this Oklahoma-Ole Miss game. I'm on Ole Miss, but I, I think it's going to be a, a really intriguing one as well. So those are uh, some of the early picks as well. I'm on Texas Tech. I think Tech's been under the radar. I think they'll take it to Northern Kentucky. Love their defense. So those are the uh, five, I believe, I just gave you there uh, that I am primarily betting on in, uh, in this game. But to me, the biggest best story of Friday is Virginia and Tony Bennett tries to uh, bounce back after uh, the disaster that happened to them last year. Liberty's a great three-point shooting team. It's a feast or famine team. So if they get hot, that could be trouble for Mississippi State in that 12-5 matchup, as you mentioned. The Mississippi-Oklahoma game, the Ole Miss-Oklahoma game, I heard an interview with Kermit Davis, who, of course, coached at Middle Tennessee for a long time before this year becoming SEC Coach of the Year uh, at Ole Miss. And Kermit Davis said something really interesting. He said... He's not used to this because he's used to his team being red hot because they have to win their conference tournament generally at middle if they actually want to make the NCAA tournament. Ole Miss kind of floundered down the stretch, got knocked out in the SEC tournament relatively early. So he says this is a totally different mindset. I hadn't even thought about it from that perspective, but imagine coming from a mid-major and going to a major conference where you can get in as an at-large and don't necessarily have to be playing your best basketball entering the NCAA tournament. I imagine that's a bit of a culture shock. Not only that, being favored to win a game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, it, it's relatively rare when you get in as a mid-major that you're seated or uh, certainly respected by Las Vegas enough. Now, look, Wofford has proven, uh, you know, I think they were like number 12 overall in Ken Palm uh, this year that people will look at the overall uh, analytics of teams and now value them despite where they come from a little bit. Um, and certainly Gonzaga has been the number one poster child for that, that you can win championships. And before that, Wichita State, there have been several teams that have kind of got the mojo rolling and it doesn't really matter where they are. But for most teams in, in the NCAA tournament, I know the Blue Bloods are different, winning a game in the NCAA tournament is something that you aspire to do and that most will never do. I mean, look, the SOCON where Wofford got the win uh, last night over, um, over I can't even remember who they were playing against. Uh- Seton Hall? Yeah, Seton Hall. Uh, They got the win over Seton Hall. That was a really entertaining game. But the conference had never won an NCAA tournament game in the entire history of the conference before. And uh, so it's fun to root for those guys and why I think that that Wofford-Kentucky game is going to be so much fun to watch on Saturday. So that Kaepernick-Eric Reed settlement, not what it was originally advertised to be. We discuss next, hour number two, I'll kick the coverage, Fox Sports Radio. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis.
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Toyo tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their toyo test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Welcome back. Rolling right along. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. Clay Travis in Vegas doing Lock It In. I'm Jason Martin. I'm here in Nashville, host of the Jason Martin Show, former executive producer on this show. Clay's at Clay Travis. I'm at Zone. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, I'm sure you're already following Clay. If you're not, I have no idea what you're doing with your life. So I'm just going to read this directly from Andrew Beetson of the Wall Street Journal. Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed. The NFL stars who alleged the league's teams colluded to keep them off the field after they led protests during the national anthem 
will receive less than $10 million to settle grievances with the league, according to people briefed on the deal. The confidential agreement was widely celebrated as a victory for the players, but the settlement is far less than the tens of millions of dollars Mr. Kaepernick especially would have likely been owed if his grievance had prevailed. And it goes on from there. Clay, your thoughts? Well, the reports that were out there, and I always said they were laughably absurd in how high they were, uh, was that Kaepernick had settled for 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 million dollars, right? That those are the numbers that were out there. And uh, on this show, if you listen to me, I, I came on and I said, regardless of what you think about Kaepernick, I said if the NFL were going to pay him that much money, then they would have to go get approval from all the individual teams because most teams, if let's say they were going to give him 30 million dollars, well, that's roughly a million dollars per team. Usually you would have to get that approval before they could just go ahead and settle the case. In other words, you would need enough teams to say, hey, yeah, we agree. Our exposure is substantial here. We're going to have to spend a lot more money uh, potentially to defend this and the danger and everything else. What has been reported yesterday afternoon by the Wall Street Journal is that they were nowhere near the numbers that were out there on Twitter and that, in fact, Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed combined got less than $10 million. Now, uh, if you take out the 30 or 35% of this uh, settlement that would have gone to the, uh, to, the, to the attorneys, you're talking about Colin Kaepernick maybe getting 3 or $4 million. And, uh, and then I think you have to take a step back and say, wow. Why in the world would you even settle a case if you thought you were in the right for three or four million dollars? For for the NFL, it makes total sense. They're spending millions of dollars a year in uh, in attorneys' fees, and instead they can give Colin Kaepernick and uh, and Eric Reed a few million dollars, and this story goes away, and their exposure and their risk and everything else disappears as well. So I think there were a lot of people on social media who wanted to claim this as a major Colin Kaepernick victory. And I think upon, in retrospect, now that these terms of settlement have come out, I think what it tells you is there was not really any evidence of collusion. There was not going to be any smoking gun. Kaepernick and Eric Reed were very likely going to lose their lawsuit. And so uh, just before they were set to go to trial, they decided to take some money off the table, and, uh, and, and to me, this is a major loss for Colin Kaepernick because the settlement terms are confidential, even though this amount of money has leaked out. But the NFL didn't acknowledge any wrongdoing. They didn't change any behavior. They didn't alter anything that they were doing, and Colin Kaepernick got you know, less money than Blaine Gabbard did last year to, uh, to play football. And so, uh, I mean, I look at that and say, my God, this is, a, uh, this is a big loss for Kaepernick that a lot of people on social media wanted to try to turn into a big win. Well, they're still trying to, at least in some respects. Bleacher Report's Mike Freeman tweets out, while I never believe Kaepernick's settlement was 30 or 40 or 50 mil, I also don't believe any way in hell it's less than 10. Basically asserting that the Wall Street Journal report is going to turn out to be wrong. And then this Bleacher Report article that I've just pulled up says the reported figure wouldn't even cover Kaepernick's losses from not being under NFL contracts for the past two years. Like, there's no way that if this is true, then there's no way to spin this except Kaepernick did not do well here at all. 
And I think that your question is the right one. Why would you settle if that's the settle? Like because you because, because you, you can't don't win. Think you're, yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons. One, you may need money, and we don't. Uh, Colin Kaepernick has made a lot of money in his career, but that doesn't mean that he still has a lot of money, right? So three or four million dollars is a lot of money to most people. Um, and certainly I'd be very happy to get a check for three or four million dollars. Yes. Um, and, uh, and, and maybe it's the case that he hasn't really taken that good of care of himself financially. And so one thing that you try to do is if you are the defense and you have a lot of money, which is what the NFL would have been here, uh, you want to drag on these, uh, these proceedings as long as possible because you can bleed out the person that you're competing against in terms of the resources that they have. So, one, maybe Kaepernick needs money. Uh, that, that's one possibility. Two, maybe Mark Garagos, I believe, who was his attorney, yes. sat down and said, hey, we're going to lose this case. Uh, I think the chances of us getting anything in this collusion case are really, really low my advice to you would be to take what you can get and uh, and hope that others will declare you victorious instead of you know having spent all this time and all this effort and all this energy on a case and getting nothing at all and oftentimes attorneys in these situations encourage a settlement because all of the money that has been spent is the risk of the attorney that's how the contingency fee works, uh, typically. For people out there who aren't aware, the attorney says, okay, I'll take your case and I'll represent you for free, as opposed to you paying me by the hour, you paying me a lump sum. But the result is that whatever uh, ultimate verdict we get or whatever ultimate settlement we get, I'm going to take 30 or 35%. So let's say that this, uh, this lawsuit... They got $10 million. Well, for both Kaepernick and uh, Eric Reed, you might well have to cut off $3.5 million of that automatically, which would leave just $6.5 million for both Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick. Let's say that Kaepernick's probably going to get more than Eric Reed since he seems to have been more harmed. So let's say Kaepernick gets four and Eric Reed gets two and a half. $4 million, really not very much uh, when you look at the larger universe. I tend to believe the Wall Street Journal's reporting. Uh, you know, they do a really good I'm – I'm a Wall Street Journal, Journal subscriber. So uh, you, you may not like the Wall Street Journal. You may not like uh, the New York Times. But both tend to get stories like this right, and I don't think they'd run with it unless they had it sourced really, really well. So uh, I think this, uh, this is a, a story, and I, again, I was skeptical of all the numbers that came out beforehand. Uh, I tend to think this story is correct, and again, the significant factor to me here all along was if you don't have to get approval from the teams in order to get this lawsuit settled, it probably means that the teams are paying not very much on an individual basis. And indeed, if they settled this case for around $10 million, that's $300,000 per team. That's less than a lot of them are paying a wide receivers coach. So, I mean, this is uh, not a very big sum of money to an NFL franchise, and I can see why they would have been happy to go ahead and end this lawsuit and end uh, the Colin Kaepernick story in their minds uh, with a uh, relatively small payout. So when you look at the money here, let's suggest maybe Colin Kaepernick doesn't need the money. Maybe he does. 
Maybe he doesn't. Uh, you know, the AAF did their thing, and he threw out an exorbitant amount of money because he didn't want to play in the AAF. There was speculation that came out a few days ago that the XFL was going to try to land Colin Kaepernick, and they're going to need him because I don't know where they're getting football players from. When I'm seeing the AAF, I'm like, who exactly is going to play in the XFL? But what exactly do you think Colin Kaepernick's end game was over the past couple of years? I think we both sort of agree on this. Do you think he accomplished whatever his goal was? Because I think at some point playing football was not the number one goal. And matter of fact, I'm almost positive of that, and I'm pretty sure that it shifted a while back. Well, I mean, my thought was that in settling this case, um, if he were going to settle, that he would want to gain something uh, in terms of the way that the NFL was going to change its behavior, that they were going to acknowledge that they uh, that, that players had the right to protest. We didn't get any of that. And then you take the next step and say, well, did Colin Kaepernick get a lot of money in exchange for ending his quest to sue the NFL for all time? And the answer is no. And so I think it's hard to look at this in any way other than to say, man, the NFL won this dispute and this, uh, the, this, this labor issue in a, in, a, in a really major fashion. And I would have thought that Colin Kaepernick would have wanted to have the trial to, again, draw more attention to the things that he cares about, yeah. I think Kaepernick is going to become even more of an irrelevant figure than he already is uh, as he kind of slinks on into obsolescence. Uh, and and I think that the only way that he's relevant, ironically enough, is by not playing. Because I do think if he agreed to become a backup in the NFL again and he didn't play, uh, then unless he had a Nick Foles-like resurgence, that most people are going to say, I don't really care that much about the backup quarterback. You only care about the backup quarterback if you think he gives your team a better chance to win or if the starting quarterback is injured, and maybe that would happen for Kaepernick. But I just find this, this report about what he settled for to be really kind of, kind of amazing, honestly, because I, I circle back around again. There's only two options. Either one, Colin Kaepernick needed the money, and the NFL knew it, and that he left at the opportunity uh, to uh, to make a few million dollars. Or uh, his uh, attorney sat down with him, and they said, "Look, there's zero evidence of collusion here, and at least in a substantial fashion. I think we're going to lose this lawsuit, and you're going to get nothing. And all of this millions of dollars I've spent representing you, uh, because that's the risk that his attorney would have taken, is for naught for me." I'd like for you to go ahead and uh, take this settlement so I can get my 30 or 35% of this number and, uh, and we can go on with our lives. But I saw this story, uh, I, I thought it was interesting that it dropped almost at the exact time as the NCAA yes. tournament is really uh, tipping off. Uh, but, but I think this is significant, and uh, I, I think this just proves again the NFL, it sounds like, in a big way, won in their dispute with Colin Kaepernick. So you talked about him being... You used the word obsolete there in some ways, or increasingly obsolete. How obsolete does he become to the activism community? Because that's a community that right now still can use Colin Kaepernick. And he has. Look, he's donated a million dollars to the homeless. He's done some good things through this process. But how much value does he have? Does his value basically completely subsist now on nobody's going to sign him and they should sign him, even though that narrative kind of begins to get more and more... It just doesn't make any sense because he hasn't been on the field 
in such a long period of time, why would we think he could play now? Do you think the activist well, community would want him to play in the XFL, or that would be the worst possible thing that could happen for him? Yeah, well, first of all, it's hard to argue that you've been colluded against if you're taking $4 million, yeah. uh, because that's not even what you know a decent backup in the NFL makes now in one year. Right. Um, so, I mean, everybody thinks that Blaine, uh, the sorry that Blaine Randall Porter, Cobb just got five million. Yeah, for one go. year with the Dallas Cowboys. Well, everybody thinks that uh, that Blake Bortles is a disaster at the quarterback position, right? Yeah. I, I think he's making six million dollars next year, so he's making fifty percent more next year to play quarterback than Colin Kaepernick. I think the challenge with Cap in general has been that he is more symbol than spokesperson. And he has rarely, if ever, said anything during the past several years. So I think it becomes tougher and tougher to use a symbol of a representation when that symbol is willing to take, sell out for such a small amount of money. And uh, I just think in general that uh, in many ways the NFL has withstood the Colin Kaepernick controversy that most people are gearing up for the NFL draft in less than a month or a little over a month, and uh, that the ratings have come back. And I think in retrospect, in the years ahead, that Kaepernick will become a lot like Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, kind of a uh, historical footnote more than a uh, historical chapter. Do you think the activist community looks at the money, if this story is indeed true, and is upset? frustrated, disgusted by the fact that he would take such a low amount of money? Do you think that that's part of the thought process now, They're just that they would consider this almost selling out? Well, I think what they'll say is they don't believe the Wall Street Journal report. And this is kind of the downside of Donald Trump in yeah. many respects, Fake no news. matter what, is anytime you dislike what the news media says, you just label it fake news and you don't have to believe it's true anymore. I just say... I trust the Wall Street Journal's reporting. They tend to get almost everything big and important right. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, I think that, that this story coming out as it did uh, is likely very accurate. People say, well, why would that come out? You know, it's supposed to be a sealed agreement. Um, I think probably a few owners know. And I think they said, you know what, I'm tired of the NFL getting uh, ripped as if we lost in this case. I think the public needs to know the actual truth. Well, we will maybe find out. I don't know. I mean, the Wall Street Journal is not not known to publish a lot of fake news, but you're right. In the era of Trump, no one is safe because you can tarnish pretty much anybody, whether they're reputable or not reputable, real easy with a couple of words. But Colin Kaepernick, Eric Reed, according to the Wall Street Journal, get combined less than $10 million in a settlement. It's a story that we will continue to follow. We have a little bit of fun coming back because... You know, we dogged out Mike Francesa, and we've been talking about a lot of different things. We're going to talk more of the NCAA tournament and some of these games. Uh, but Clay was on TV, and when you're on TV, people are paying attention, unfortunately. And uh, Clay, I, I don't know if you're watching a whole lot of basketball these days or if you're familiar with conferences and teams and how they're affiliated. So when we come back, uh, we're going to have a little bit of a quiz about the ACC. And that's a conference that I think most people out there listening know something about. Does Clay Travis know about it? The fact that I asked that question should tell you basically all you need to know. We'll be right back. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. 
Welcome back to the Geico Outkick Studios. All right, Clay, so we dogged out Mike Francesa yesterday. We've talked plenty about Stephen A. Smith over the past few weeks. Mike Francesa famously a few years ago didn't realize Gary Williams was no longer the coach of the Maryland Terrapins as he was doing a tournament breakdown on the radio. And then a few days ago forgot that or forgot or did not know that Virginia lost to Maryland Baltimore County and that a 16 actually beat a one. But look, I grew up on Tobacco Road. And I remember the old ACC. I remember when Florida State joined the conference, and that seemed weird. This ACC is completely bonkers. It's bananas. But there's a team that's no longer in the ACC that used to be in the ACC. And similarly to Francesa, who thought that Gary Williams was the coach, Gary Williams was the coach when Maryland was in the ACC. Maryland is no longer in the ACC. They are actually in the Big Ten but you yesterday on Lock It In apparently did not know that. Please explain yourself. I said that Maryland was in the ACC. Now, in my defense, I talk all day for a living, and I'm going to be an old man. Like, I'm going to be 40, and I'll be a man, I'll be 40, uh, Mike Gundy style, in a, uh, in a couple of weeks. And uh, I, uh, I just, when I think about Maryland basketball, I still, not so much Maryland football, because I obviously watch a lot of college football, so, um, you know, it still feels a little bit weird to see Maryland playing Penn State. Oh, I agree. Maryland playing Ohio State and everything else. But I don't think about, I think about Maryland still as primarily a basketball school, so maybe I'm unique in this, but when I think about Maryland, I still think about them as playing Duke. Like, I think about that game that they gave up the nine-point lead, sorry, Maryland fans, and like the last minute, I think about the 2002 national championship uh, that Gary Williams won. Um, I went to college in Washington, D.C., so Maryland Terrapin basketball, is there's a lot of Maryland fans there, and so the ACC was covered a lot um, when I was uh, in college, you know, the team's always coming through there. And so when I was breaking down the brackets, uh, we were talking, uh, you know, it was live, live television, and Maryland's having a tight game against Belmont. And there is a, uh, a school of thought that fading the ACC from a gambling perspective has been pretty profitable in the NCAA tournament because a lot of people come in and bet the NCAA tournament and they bet the big brands the most, right, like the teams that have gotten the most attention. And so there's an expectation that the ACC is going to be really good, and the lines sometimes get inflated. So as Belmont was playing competitively against Maryland, I'm sitting there and I try to make the connection in my head with, you know, the Belmont ended up covering that game and almost won, uh, but I thought of Maryland as an ACC school, and then Furman just, uh, just lit me up. But what percentage of people do you think still, when they watch Maryland play a basketball game in the NCAA tournament, not when they're playing a team from the Big Ten uh, or even from the ACC, they think to themselves still of Maryland as being an ACC school. It's been about five years now that they have been in the Big Ten. I still feel like there's a huge percentage of people that are like me, that in the back of their mind they still think of Maryland as an ACC team. Admittedly, I would say probably 25 to 30%. It makes me sick that they're not part of the ACC. It makes no sense to me. I mean, I, I miss the old Big East as well. Like Syracuse doesn't make sense to me in the ACC. Pitt doesn't make sense in the ACC. Maryland... 
Maryland's always going to be ACC, and now I can't stand them because it doesn't make sense. So, I mean, I kind of understand it, but it's also easy to go after you because, I mean, that's what we do. You do that to everybody. I mean, there's a famous, like, piece that plays during commercials about you basically saying that WR Bro is horrible at his job. So you go after people on a pretty regular basis. By the way, I'm not disputing anything. Not disputing that WR Bro comment at all. But you say Maryland and the ACC, that's just low-hanging fruit. There's no way we can avoid going after you for that, right? Because if it were me that did it, you would have buried me. Positive for me is that when you're going to screw up on live television, screwing up on live television on a cable station while the NCAA tournament is going on, like the best possible time to screw up, right? Like all these NCAA tournament games are going on. There's all these different games, all these different players to talk about. Some dork like me on television screwing up something like that, it doesn't even register on the radar of like the, one of the four billion most interesting things to happen in the world of sports. If this were like June, oh, it would probably gone viral. Everybody had been talking about how stupid I was. But instead, uh, this happens in the middle of the NCAA tournament. People don't care. I always say this. It's not that you have to be perfect. It's that when you screw up, and I'm making fun of myself, this is obviously not that big of a deal, but if you ultimately do something really dumb, you need to do something really dumb or maybe even something really criminal when somebody else does something a lot bigger. You know the best example of this uh, is Ted Kennedy. He's driving his car, and he flips it at Chappaquiddick, right? Mary Jo Kopechny dies in the car. Uh, and there's still uncertainty about exactly what happened and how it went down, but it was the same time that man was walking on the moon. So everybody's obsessed with whether or not we're going to be able to land on the moon and whether Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin are going to be able to be out there walking on the, the face of the moon. And meanwhile, people just totally forget about Ted Kennedy. And if there had been any nothing else going on, that's the story. Maybe Ted Kennedy's political career is over, Instead, uh, this, the, the walking on the moon stuff goes on, and it totally distracts everybody. That is amazing that you just went from Maryland's in the ACC to Chappaquiddick. Like, that was, that's how you got your law degree, because that actually somehow made sense. Like, the way that you actually got from point A to point B, I have no idea how you were able to pull that off, but you had me thinking, as soon as you mentioned Chappaquiddick, yeah, that was a pretty good movie. Actually, it was a pretty underrated movie last year. I totally forgot about it. Then I looked down at my notes. It's like, oh, yeah, Clay said Maryland was in the ACC. So you almost got me to forget about it by talking about Ted Kennedy. That's talent right there. That's great spin zone by me. Um, But, yeah, I screwed up. Uh, I'm becoming an old man, and there's no telling how many more errors I'm going to make. But, uh, but yeah, like that, it is is the, 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 the truth. That you don't need to be perfect. You just need somebody else to screw up worse than you at the same time as you, um, and uh, and everybody will forget about what you did um, as a result. Like Arizona losing to Buffalo last year, and then Virginia lost to Maryland, Baltimore County, and then people didn't really care about the fact that Arizona got beat. Oh yeah, look, it's the best possible time to lose. Like you pull off an upset. Your team is is favored. I mean, the same thing. Like, look, uh, there there's a bunch of teams playing uh, big games tomorrow that are big favorites, right? Uh, Duke sure. is a big favorite, uh, and uh, and Virginia is a big favorite, right? Carolina, Tennessee. If Duke lost to whoever Duke's playing to, and then Tennessee went out and lost, nobody would ever remember that Tennessee lost. Best thing that could happen to Rick Barnes 
if he were to lose, is Duke to lose or UVA to lose again. It's like Tennessee's loss just kind of slides under the radar because it's not as big. Um, as those other two would be. I feel like there's an opportunity here. I wish I'd known that we were going to go that you were going to go with that Chappaquiddick line. We could find other great examples of awful things that were buried because of larger awful. Uh, things. I'll tell you one. The, the first time I noticed this ever happening, I went. I was in college in Washington D.C. back when I back when Maryland was in the ACC, <laughs> and uh, and I've used this example before. And there was an intern who disappeared named Chandra Levy. Yes. Uh, it was kind of a big story in the summer of 2001. And that was the summer before I started law school. I had just graduated from George Washington, D.C., and I was living in Washington, D.C. that summer, getting ready to come back home to start law school. And, uh, and she lived, like, right by where I lived. If, you, if you're familiar at all in, in Washington, D.C., I was in northwest D.C., um, you know, not far from Georgetown, not far from DuPont Circle, that whole area, and she disappeared. And before it became a national story, I'm walking into my apartment, and there are pictures of Chandra Levy plastered everywhere all over the building, uh, you know, and all over the neighborhood. And then it turns into a national story, and it comes out that she's having an affair with uh, Gary Condit, who was a congressman. Yes. And this is a major story. Like, it's like, did he kill her? Did he have something to do with her absence? Uh, and it's a major story. It ends up costing him his political career. Well, as this story is playing out, do you know what suddenly happened? 9-11. Yeah, I was about to say, it was May the 1st that she disappeared. And then, of course, like four months later. Was, it's, a, it's an ongoing yeah. story that continues all throughout the summer. And, uh, and then it ultimately is determined that a stranger killed her. The congressman had nothing to do with her disappearance. He just happened to have an affair with her and then try and lie about the affair, which made people think, oh, my God, he did something to her, right? Well, they find her body. You never could find her body. They find her body like years later, and they later through DNA testing were able to convict and catch the man who was responsible for it. And it was uh, you know, sort of ne'er-do-well who was in the D.C. area, and she was killed while she was on a jog in Rock Creek Park there. Well, this is a huge story. It's a huge soap opera. The drama is, like, incessant. It's being covered uh, like it's the O.J. Simpson trial in the, uh, in the area of Washington, D.C., before it actually, you know, would have turned into a trial. And then 9-11 happens, and nobody cares about the story anymore. And so if 9-11 had happened in, like, June, Gary Condit's entire political career would have continued without an issue because everybody would have pivoted to the much bigger story than what went on there. So lesson for life, you don't need to be perfect. You just need somebody else to be dumber. And this is why I always say if I were in PR, like at a school, the next time that an LSU-like story drops and everybody's like, oh, my God, Will Wade's on a, uh, on a tape talking about getting, you know, making deals for players on an FBI wiretap, that's when you put out your bad news, right? Like you drop the bad news when somebody else has worse news, and you're like, well, you know, that guy, we're, we could be worse. We're not as bad as that guy. So 
I was fortunate, NCAA tournaments going on, notwithstanding the fact that I just ridiculed myself for 20 minutes here, uh, <laughs> most people didn't notice that I was stupid and thought that, uh, or said, I knew they weren't, but said that Maryland uh, was still uh, in the ACC. LSU, a three seed, got by Yale. Yale, their three-point shooting at one point, they were five for 31 until like the last minute and a half of the game. But because you mentioned LSU, they kind of maybe had the biggest question mark coming into this tournament. What were they going to look like? How were they going to deal with the coach not being there with just all of the things swirling around them that wasn't on the court? How did you feel about their performance? They're now going to be matching up against Maryland. Who Maryland escaped Belmont. Maryland from the Big Ten. They had size down low. I think you're going to have an interesting matchup with Nas Reed and Fernando potentially there. But LSU is a really good basketball team. But they're a really good basketball team that played a whole lot of close games. Clay, they went to overtime six times yeah. this season and won those games. That might be good for them in the tournament, but watching them against Yale, it looked like they had control and then Yale fought right back into it. So I still don't know how I feel about LSU. I know from a talent standpoint, it's off the charts with Smart and with Waters and with Nas Reed. I wish I felt better about them, and I think it all has to do with Will Wade, why I just did not pick them to go further than beating you. Well, they were up 18. They were up, I believe, 49-31 in that game, and then the wheels just came off. And if Yale had shot well at all, then Yale would have won that basketball game. So, uh, you know, we talked about the fact that the Big Ten went, uh, I think it was, uh, what, 3-0, and and the SEC went 4-0. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and to me, uh, LSU, notwithstanding the collapse that Auburn had, which was just awful down the stretch, I mean, that game should have never been close, I thought LSU was the one team that won that really didn't play very well. Like, Florida held on against Nevada. That's a good team that they beat, right? They got up big, and they managed to make enough plays to hold on. Obviously, Kentucky just ran roughshod over Abilene and Christian. That wasn't that big of a surprise. Uh, But I thought LSU, I watched almost that entire game, I thought LSU dodged some bullets. Uh, I thought that Yale... If they, I, I guarantee you, if uh, Yale goes back over when their coaching staff goes back over that game, they will point to God seven or eight three pointers that they think they would make in most games this year that they just missed. Good looks, wide open, uh, you know, pulling the trigger and feel like you have a good chance. And uh, I just ultimately think this LSU team really does miss Will Wade, and I think they're going to miss him even more on the uh, on the preparation from a Thursday to a Saturday, which is when I think coaching really becomes an art form uh, because you have to get your team down off the high of winning an SEC or winning an NCAA tournament game, whether they're in the SEC, Big Ten, ACC, or certainly a small school team. They're excited. Winning a game is a big deal and have to get them focused enough to win another game in less than 48 hours against what's likely to be a totally different opponent. So I think that LSU-Maryland game is going to be a fascinating one to watch because I think this is where you miss your head coach the most. And uh, I saw where LSU AD Joel Oliva said, I just wish he would tell us the truth because Will Wade you know, made that statement and, and demanded uh, his job back. Which was, uh, which was interesting, but he still hasn't talked to LSU or told them anything about any kind of explanation for that FBI wiretap. Yesterday we asked a question about whether or not you had a cool teacher, and apparently some of you think we're old. We will discuss next. I'll kick the coverage. Fox Sports Radio.
Welcome back to the Geico Outkick Studios. All right. Clay Travis out in Las Vegas. I'm Jason Martin. He's at Clay Travis on Twitter. I am at JMartZone. So we talked yesterday, Clay, because we're old enough to remember a time where teachers used to bring in televisions on media carts to let us watch basketball during the NCAA tournament. Cool teachers. Now, some people are still, you know, there were some dopey teachers that still actually wanted us to learn. But during this tournament, some of them let us do some pretty cool stuff and watch these basketball games. Sometimes they'd even bring in like popcorn or some soda or something like that. It was always fun. And so, of course, you asked people about this, and people were sending me responses. They were sending you responses on Twitter. And Twitter can be an awful place. And what we find out is apparently we're old because we know what a media card is. This is funny. So yesterday uh, during the game, I, I wanted to give a shout-out. And by the way, I've met a lot of listeners uh, all over Las Vegas, all over different parts of the country, um, and, uh, and several of them have been teachers. So I wanted to give a shout-out because I remember being in elementary school and then middle school and then a little bit of high school, too, where one of the best things about the NCAA tournament is being able to watch games while you're at school. It just feels amazing. It feels like you're cheating a little bit. And great teachers back in the day who were big sports fans, I think, would want to watch the games themselves, too. And if you're uh, in uh, many of the time zones, basically every one of them across the country, uh, the games are going on while you're in school. And so I tweeted out, shout out to all the teachers who will roll in televisions for their kids to watch the early NCAA tourney games today and tomorrow. You guys are heroes. And the number of people who made fun of me for saying, like, nobody rolls in televisions anymore. There's no media cart. Like, it used to be a big deal. Yeah, it did. The television would get rolled in. Like, you got to watch a movie or whatever it was, like, and you'd hear that thing coming down the hallway. And I guess now, like, they don't have the media, like, the rolling television anymore. But, uh, but I tried to give a shout-out to all the teachers out there. I know there's a lot of them listening to me right now. Uh, because the amount of teachers who responded to this tweet was pretty extraordinary, saying, well, the way we do it now is we put it on the projection screen, or, you know, the kids today, they have all their cell phones, so they can pull up March Madness apps and everything else. And, yeah, it's a different version, but, uh, but you still got a lot of teachers out there, I think, who, uh, who have the madness fever themselves. So uh, I will tell you this, that as a, as a public school K-12 through kid who's all yes. grown up now, one of my favorite memories of the world of college sports, certainly intersecting with uh, with being a kid, is those school those teachers who let us watch those games while we were in school. Yeah, and you remember those TVs? They had the straps, like there was a strap on top of the TV that would hold it in place, so that when yeah. the teachers rolled it down the hall, the TV would go screaming off. off the side yeah. of the media cart. These are problems that I guess people don't have now. What do they do with the media carts? Like, they don't have the televisions on them. Do they still have the media cards? And, by the way, I went to watch games last night with uh, Jeff Schwartz, you know, the, the, yes. the late-night games, not late-night, but uh, the evening games, certainly not very late-night here on the West Coast. And Schwartz was like, oh, nobody, uh, nobody actually got to do that. He's like, they didn't do that at his school. And I was like, well, that's probably because you went to a better school. Yeah. I was very mediocre before I went to Martin Luther King, which was a phenomenal high school in Nashville. You know, I was such a big college basketball fan. My parents were willing to uh, to let me stay out of school. Uh, believe it or not, they can miss a school day every now and then. So uh, I thought uh, I, that, that those people who were tweeting me that uh, was pretty outstanding as well. 
pretty deprived was Jeff Schwartz. I'm really debating on whether to do this. When we come back, we're going to talk about the NCAA tournament. I'm sure I'm not the first person to make this joke, and I really probably shouldn't make this joke, but um, jaw rules? How bad is that? We'll be right back. I'll kick the coverage. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Pirelli tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerack.com sports to see their pirelli test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Another great week here on Outkick the Coverage. A little Montel Jordan for you on the way out the door like we always do. NCAA tournament. It's going to be wall-to-wall basketball again today, just like there was yesterday. Hopefully we get something even half as exciting 
as Ja Morant was. But since we talk so much college basketball, I feel it would be remiss not to talk about one shining moment. As Clay Travis is out in Las Vegas, I'm Jason Martin. He's at Clay Travis. I'm at J Mart Zone. One shining moment that ends every NCAA tournament, Luther Vandross, for a long time, was the voice. They've redone it a few different times. They never should have done that. But now it has infected the association. Clay, tell me <laughs> you saw this Los Angeles Lakers mega cut version of one shining moment that was making the rounds yesterday. Man, if you have not seen this, even if you're a Lakers fan and even if you were one of the delusional Laker fans who believe that LeBron James is going to bring a championship in the first year or maybe even the second year or maybe even the third or the fourth year, the, uh, the, the, the work, I'm not even sure who did it. I just saw it going viral on social media yesterday. And everyone's familiar with one shining moment, uh, the, all the medley and montage of everything that took place in the NCAA tournament, uh, both high and low. And there are a lot of lows in the Lakers version of one shining moment. Uh, but many of the moments that LeBron James has had go viral, whether it's throw the basketball into the underside of the backboard, whether it's uh, let the ball roll all the way up, <laughs> all the way up the court to the three-point line and then manage to knock it out of bounds yeah. while you're trying to pick it up. Uh, they're all included there, and uh, it, is, uh, it is outstanding to watch. So I don't know what uh, it, it, I don't know that we've ever talked about a LeBron season in, in the modern era that's over by the time of the NCAA tournament. But whoever had the idea to put this together and put it to, to pieces together, uh, piece it all together with the Lakers season is a genius and deserves all the commendation they can get um, because it is phenomenally well done. It is, and I like like the jump cuts to just a completely done-for Luke Walton. <laughs> yeah, Like repeatedly, it just goes to Luke Walton, and he looks like someone shot his dog then brought it back to life just so they could shoot it again in front of his son. Like, it's absolutely... I feel so bad for Luke Walton watching that, but I'm sitting here watching it right now as we're talking again, and it's like two minutes and 20 seconds, and it's the best two minutes and 20 seconds that you will ever see. Even if you thought LeBron James wasn't going to take him to the playoffs this year, and I gave him credit for more wins, but I didn't say 50 or anything like that like some people did, this has been an unmitigated disaster, right? Like, I mean, this has gone as poorly as... I mean, this has gone far poorer than even I thought, or even I would say most of LeBron's harshest critics would have thought it would have gone. Yeah, and uh, and it's just interesting to see the, the Lakers, like we said, mixed with the NCAA tournament because... Um, it's just so well done. I feel like we need. I need to tweet it out uh, yeah, we'll, and make we'll sure that everybody that. can check it out. I'll do it so you guys can all check it out. But if you haven't seen it, it's a good way to go into the weekend, unless you're a Laker fan, in which case, uh, I'm sorry, Laker fans. Um, Saturday games. And I know, again, everybody's going to be looking ahead to, uh, to Friday. But there are a lot of games uh, that I'm already excited to watch on Saturday, in addition to all the ones that we're going to watch on, uh, on Friday. Maryland LSU, I'm signed up for that one. I have yes. no idea what I'm going to get from LSU or from Maryland, to be honest. Wofford, Kentucky is one of the, I think, going to be one of the best games of the tournament, just in terms of sheer storylines. Florida, Michigan, I mean, those two teams, uh, it seems like they, they exist to play now, uh, both football and basketball. Murray State, we talked about John Morant to start the show. We've talked about him a lot during the course of the show. FSU, Leonard Hamilton, trying to continue their run. Baylor, do they have any of the horses to be able to give Gonzaga uh, the Gonzaga a run? I don't know. Kansas uh, looked Minnesota. awfully good, and they've got they've got Auburn, who didn't look all that great 
So if Kansas looks like that, that could be really intriguing as well. Well, and not only that, remember we talked earlier in the week, that sets up the possibility of Kansas being at home for the Sweet 16. That's right. So for all the criticism of Bill Self and how you know Kansas is overseeded and once they get to the NCAA tournament they can't win, well, wait a minute. If Kansas are able to get past uh, Auburn, then they're in Kansas City and they're sitting there and they're waiting to see whether or not UNC is going to join them or maybe get upset in an 8-9 game potentially. But regardless, if you're a Kansas fan, you'd feel like you're playing with house money in the Sweet 16, which is probably a feeling you haven't had for a very long time. So uh, I just think there are a lot of games, in addition to all the ones we're going to talk about today, uh, you know, come Monday that happen on Friday. But, man, there are a lot of intriguing games already set up for the Sweet 16 uh, battle. And – You know, there wasn't that many great games on Thursday, so I tend to think when that happens, what do we usually see? Usually the tournament balances out, and Friday turns into a a pretty outstanding day of basketball. I hope it does. You'll be back here uh, in the friendly confines on Monday to talk about it. We'll see what Zion Williamson does. We'll see if John Morant can carry him into the Sweet 16. Outkick will have all of those answers for you Monday, same bat time, same bat channel. I'll talk about it as well on the Jason Martin Show on Sunday morning. 3 to 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Clay, always appreciate uh, when I get a chance to, to jump back into the saddle. Uh, be safe on your way home, and then you'll be rocking it back on Monday. Yeah, and anybody out there who's going to be in Vegas, come hang out with us. One thirty Pacific Time. You can watch it on the East Coast, 4.30 Eastern. We're going to be at the MGM Grand Sportsbook. Should be awesome. Crowds have been great. Love meeting all the listeners. Uh, thanks for everybody who's come out. Enjoy the hoops. We'll see you Monday. I'll kick the coverage. Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The, I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends.